0: Well, this morning I'd like to focus on our first reading, St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians. And uh, I'll draw your attention to uh, one line in particular. He has chose us in him, so God has chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and without blemish before him. That's a pretty a pretty deep line right there. God has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So before the world was ever created, in the mind of God, the incarnation was an idea. So uh, Christ, who of course has existed from all eternity, as the second person of the Trinity. Um, That that being the case, there was still the incarnation. Christ, as the second person of the Trinity, joined to humanity. That had yet to take place. And that was an idea, just an idea, in the mind of God. And uh, each one of us was their presence along with that idea of the incarnate Christ. From all eternity, we were an idea in God's mind, along with, and in a certain sense in, the incarnate Jesus Christ. Jesus being the beloved Son of God, both in as much as He is the second person of the Trinity, sharing with the Father the love that is the Holy Spirit from, from all eternity, But also Jesus, the incarnate man from Nazareth, beloved Son of God, and each one of us beloved in him and because of him, beloved before God, because of Christ and in Christ. That's an amazing thing, that God has loved us in Jesus from all eternity, well before not only we were born, but well before the world itself was even made. And this predilection on God's part, this love for us that God had in, a, in, in his mind was uh, ordered towards something. It had a purpose to it. It had a goal. And that goal was that we would be holy and without blemish. That we would be holy and without blemish. And even as Jesus Christ himself is holy and without blemish, so also would we in Christ through Him, because of Him, because of His atonement, because of what He has done for us out of love for us through the cross. So we also would share in that holiness and that state of being without blemish. Now in the, in the Latin Bible, it, that phrase without blemish is Immaculata. It's immaculate. So we could say that we were chosen to be holy and immaculate before God. Immaculate means without any kind of black, dark stain. Okay, And uh, who can you imagine was also there along with us in, in God's mind from all eternity, but the Immaculate Mother of God. And so primarily through Christ, but also because of Mary's intercession because of her special mediation in the incarnation of Christ in the world, she also is a fundamental instrument of our own sanctification and our own journey towards holiness, the realization of God's plan uh, in our lives that we would be holy and without blemish. And we become holy and without blemish and so fulfill God's will for us Not by our own efforts. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It comes from grace. The grace that was merited for us by Jesus Christ at the cross on Calvary. And it's through that grace that we become transformed. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus. We become renewed and renovated, born again, and that power of grace changes us and gives us virtue and gives us the power and the ability to live holy lives. Again, we can't muster up that sort of holiness on our own. It, it's a gift to us by God's grace that we cooperate with, of course, and we're responsible for cooperating with that grace. But it is more fundamentally a gift from, from God through, through Christ by the prayers of Mary, the Immaculate One. That process of sanctification of reaching that state of immaculate uh you know immaculateness um, oftentimes is not complete when we die. We still have blemishes on our souls when we die, oftentimes. And so this is where we under how we understand purgatory. Okay, purgatory is a time after we die where our soul continues to journey down that path towards being holy and without blemish before God. So uh, God's desire from all eternity for us to be holy and without blemish is accomplished fundamentally and primarily in this life, but also afterwards as well. There's a process of sanctification through purification and atonement that takes place after death for most, most of us. And this is why um, the whole concept of an indulgence, I think we're familiar with this idea of an indulgence, is very important because God can forgive us of our sins and yet the consequences, the temporal consequences of our sins can still be left on our souls. And those consequences need to be expiated or atoned for, or made up for, or paid off, so to speak. And the indulgence... Is basically um, a remission of those of, of what we owe, essentially. Um, and if there's two kinds of indulgences, there's the partial indulgence and there's the plenary indulgence. And these indulgences are very, very important for the spiritual life, and um, they have many benefits in the spiritual life as well as this kind of remission of the temporal consequences of our sins. Um, they well, i like to kind of liken the indulgence to uh you know if if you have something clogging up your drain you know there's like a a, a lack of flow and you kind of you put draino down there or you get some you know you get uh, a plumber in there and he's able to unstop the 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 pipes and the indulgence kind of does that there's we've got this we've got this junk that's been built up over the years in our spiritual pipes and the indulgence goes in there and cleans that out so that grace can start to flow uh, more uh, easily in our life. So the indulgence has many, many uh, benefits. And uh, we can gain an indulgence for those who are in purgatory, and that is an act of great mercy uh, when we do that. So I encourage us all to do that, to look into how to acquire indulgences, to do the prescribed acts to gain indulgences. And I want to preach this primarily in light of the fact that the year of mercy is coming to an end. It ends on November 20th, um, which is you know, basically only a month away. And uh, one of the ways of gaining an indulgence is taking a trip to our cathedral in Rochester. Um, I, I actually was thinking about doing that today myself, taking a little bit of time out and doing that myself. But in any event, I encourage us to do that. That's one way of gaining a plenary indulgence is simply uh, walking through the doors of mercy in the different cathedrals of the diocese. Uh, maybe maybe Syracuse is, is closer, I don't know, but I, probably Rochester is closer for us. And um, along with doing the prescribed act, you receive Holy Communion, make a confession, and pray for the Pope's intention. And uh, you have a heart that's properly disposed and is not uh, attached to your sins, um, and you will receive that grace of the plenary indulgence for yourself or for others. And we might want to consider doing that for others, for our beloved dead, who right now very well could be in purgatory, and thereby we show them God's mercy and love, and we remember them, um, and uh, help them out in that journey towards becoming holy and immaculate before God in Christ.